Hello, my friends. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2023. I am, first of all, going to thank you right off the bat for choosing this podcast today, choosing to listen to this episode. Um, I am so grateful for you guys. Um, I'm coming up on the two-year anniversary of the podcast uh, at the end of January, and my goal was I was going to try for 100,000 downloads by the end of the month, and, you know, I didn't think we were going to make it, but we we just might. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm at 87,000 right now. And so, all right, we can do this. I am going to push full steam ahead to get this podcast into as many mom's ears as possible. And it's because of your stories. It's because of your experiences. I have my own. Yes, of course. But it's the way that you guys show up, whether you reach out to me on Instagram and the DMs, um, or if you're in Mothers Together and I talk to you there, or you've been on the podcast and I talk to you here. You all have stories too. And it turns out that other moms really want to hear them. Right? And if you've clicked on this episode and you're listening to this right now, it means you want to hear another mom's story too. It's this community sense that changes everything. And and I've been saying that from the beginning. And the podcast is one piece of that community puzzle. Um, and so I'm I'm so glad that you're you're listening. But I also want to invite you to do something that I've never asked for before, and that is to share a story for a mini episode of the podcast. So let me explain. Every Monday, as you guys know, I bring on a mom, we have a back and forth conversation, uh, you know, a really nice chat, and we talk all about what it's like to raise neurodivergent kids in general. You know, we talk about their lives. I've also started bringing some dads on on Fridays. And by the way, I, I, I only had a few dads volunteer, but if I have more dads, I am so happy to keep that series going because it did really well and was really popular. Um, and then those in-between Monday and Friday episodes, I really was thinking that I would be able to basically get on this microphone every day and, and talk about whatever's on my mind. And as much as I would love to do that, there are literally not enough hours in the day and I can't, at least not yet, not, not in this current season of business and life. But at the same time, I feel like a once a week episode with a mom isn't enough because I think it would be really helpful if you got to hear on a regular basis an anecdote from another mom raising a neurodivergent kid. And so I'm inviting all of you, every single one of you listening right now, if you are interested, to submit to me an anonymous anecdote about a moment in your life raising a neurodivergent kid. And and my parameters here are pretty, pretty loose. Um, I'm only looking for it to be related to raising a neurodivergent kid, but that's pretty much it. Um, you know, it can be a positive story. It can be a struggle. It can be both. Um, the idea is that the listeners, you guys go, oh my gosh, I, I have had that same experience before. Oh, we went through the same thing. Wow. It's good to know that I'm not the only one who had a child react that way in that situation, right? It's all about validation, validation, validation. And this would be different from the Monday episodes. So this would be short. I'm talking 10-ish minutes, give or take, you know, five, three to five minutes in either direction. But it would be a short episode, a quick bite. 
And it would be a specific story that you're telling. So when I say the word story, I really mean moment in time, anecdote. For example, my very first episode of this podcast, which many of you have heard, is called my rock bottom parenting moment. And I'm talking about the waffle story with Mr. Nine, who was three at the time. But I've also told the story uh, with the egg pan. And a lot of you listened to that one. I I don't, I want to say that was like episode four or five, maybe. That was a specific moment in time about this egg pan. That's what I'm looking for here, where you are telling the story, just like if you had a friend that you were picking up the phone or FaceTiming or texting or whatever, and you were like, I have to tell you what happened to us today. That's the story I want to hear. So again, it's going to be kept short, 10 minutes-ish, Um, certainly no more than 20, but really aim for closer to 10. It's completely anonymous. I'm not going to put your name in the title of these episodes. I'm not going to, you know, you're not going to say your name or your kids' names or anything like that. Although if you don't care, that's totally fine too. And you would just record yourself. I'm not even going to be in this conversation. Um, the best way to go about this would just to be a, using a voice recording app on your phone. Um, there are plenty to choose from. Um, and once you record yourself, you can, it it will allow you to share that file and you're going to share it right to my email. My email is on the hard days at gmail.com. I'll put it in the the show notes of this episode as well. Um, you're just going to email me the file directly and I'm going to take that file and obviously I'll give it a quick listen just to see, you know, if, um, if you need to take a second to um, comfort a, a screaming child, not to worry, I will edit that part out. You know, I'll do some basic editing, but then I'm just going to upload it. And I would love to do this on a daily basis. Now, it all depends on how many, um, you know, how many people do it. But the fact of the matter is, is we all have stories. And actually reminds me of teaching. It reminds me, you know, when I'm teaching fifth graders writing and this is part of our fifth grade curriculum with writing is to talk about like a moment in time. And so many kids struggle with this and I hand them that paper. And of course it's like, I don't know what to write about. I don't have any stories. And, and I say on the flip side, all you have are stories. Every single moment in your life is a story. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing right this very second is technically actually a story. If you're driving to work and you're in a rush, that's a story. If you are walking your dog right now um, with a poop bag in one hand and a coffee in the other and a leash around your wrist, that's a story, right? We all have a million stories. The question is, what stories do you have that you think other moms of neurodivergent kids would find comfort in in hearing? So if you want to submit more than one story, by all means. I would just do them as separate files. That's all. I would just request that um, because they will be different podcast episodes. And because it's anonymous, unlike the Monday episodes where I'm saying the mom's name, these are anonymous. I'm just going to upload it. You know, on Tuesday, we're going to have this episode talking about this trip to the library. And on on Thursday, I'm uploading uh, an episode where someone's telling a a story about uh, parent-teacher conferences, whatever it is. Or um, this morning, trying to get ready for school. I mean, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. But when you tell a story, 
just as I tell my fifth graders when you're writing. When you're telling a story, it needs to have something that will appeal to the reader or the listener. You know, what's the message of this story? What are you trying to convey? That this is hard, this journey we're on? Yeah. So feel free to convey that. This is hard. Or we can triumph. Small wins are big wins. Absolutely. Whatever. But you're telling a specific story about a moment in time when something happened with your neurodivergent kid. Um, and, and that's what I'm hoping to get out of this. Because I think it would be nice, especially if they're only 10 minutes long, for moms to just grab these little quick stories and, and listen to them um, on a daily basis. And it's like, okay, all right, this mom's been through that moment too. I can do this. I can put one foot in front of the other. I can do this. So that's the goal. So I'm inviting you always, I'm going to put this out and, you know, it'll be uh, an intro into my podcast for for a little while, Um, but the offer will always stand. Record yourself uh, on a voice recording app, take the file and send it to me via email at ontheharddays at gmail.com. And I will do a quick edit if need be, and then upload it. Don't worry about mistakes. This is not, uh, no perfectionism here. Um, There are no such thing as mistakes. Like if you were talking to a friend, you wouldn't be like, you know what, let me tell the whole story all over again because I said um too many times. No, you're good. Just tell the story. What's on your heart about a specific moment in time? Any questions, you know how to reach me, um, DM me on Instagram at on the hard days with dots in between each word, um, or email me. Um, but I am ready for these submissions. So you don't even need to check in with me unless you want to. You can go ahead today, today, right now. If you have 10 minutes, find a voice recording app. Uh, iPhones just have one built in if you swipe down from the top right corner. Um, but you can also download an app and just, just tell a story. It can be from when your kid was two or five or 10 or 15 or whatever. doesn't matter. Tell the story. Keep it anonymous. Send it my way. I'm going to be putting out these episode shorts as soon as the entries come in. As always, my friends, thank you so much for listening. I'm so grateful for you. And now on to the episode. All right. So... This story is about, um, well, really my whole family, but my um, six and a half year old son is uh, the one who is our neurodivergent child. Um, we're a family of four, so we have two kids, two boys, um, six and a half and three and a half, and then mom and dad. So um, basically, I think the theme that I want to highlight here that has been really painful and difficult for our family is the struggle to find a support system like true practical support I think the emotional support system is challenging for sure but at least you can get those needs met in some online capacities but when it comes to actual hands-on like who is going to help watch my child while I take a break who is going to um like be able to handle some of these scenarios and where can my child go for fun like other kids and connect with other kids without having anxiety the entire time after you leave them somewhere or how do you connect with other families and make friends when their behavior is just so different from the other kids so this like how to like actually have community in a real life 
in your town support system has been an incredible challenge for our family personally. And this really emotionally for me came to a head last year, right around this time. And so what happened was, um, we've been homeschooling, um, my, my six-year-old son. Um, so last year he would have been five and a half kindergarten age. And, um, we've been trying, we were trying to find some different day camps for him to do because, uh, having, a nanny come. I mean, that's a whole other thing that we spent easily a year trying so many different nannies and babysitters and everything. And there were a couple amazing ones in there, but we realized that they had to be very, um, very mature and have experience with certain kinds of kids. And even some of them still, you know, had their issues, um, that we can't just hire any kind of babysitter for our kids or any kind of nanny, or if we hire a specialized one, it's expensive. Anyway, I'm digressing. Point being is we had gone that route already, um, for quite a while. And so I was trying to look for alternatives in our area and we live in a pretty good sized city area. So there's a lot of options for track out camps, like day camps, things like ninja things, gymnastics camps, um, academic support camps, things like that. There's all kinds of options. And so we had found one that we thought was really the sweet spot in terms of like good location, good values, um, like the camp itself had really good values. Um, and it, my son loved it. Like it wasn't just a like, okay, here's a camp. It it was okay. Like it was a ninja warrior camp. Like he just thrived there because he got so many of his sensory needs met, so much running and climbing and jumping and hanging and all of that that he could do. Um, the challenge, though, was, number one, there were kids coming in and out regularly. What I mean by that is, like, different group of kids every week. So he couldn't get grounded in who was around him and get familiar. And the teachers would even rotate. And then... Number two, there were a couple areas that were just kind of lightly blocked off that the kids were not allowed to go into. Well, my son is a highly curious boy and, and I understand like he has to follow rules and all of that, but it, it became an ongoing issue where he was going into areas, unsafe areas that he should not have been in. And then also his interactions with the kids was really the hardest part because he was not um, always able to keep his hands to himself, speak kindly. There were some older kids that were kind of instigating some things and he was younger and trying to like, you know, how kids are like, he's just trying to fit in and figure things out and he doesn't have strong social skills. So, um, yeah, that was really difficult and bumpy. And, um, so we were getting, you know, some comments and things like that from the teachers and they were like, really like, Oh, we want to work with you guys. We're really trying, but it eventually came to a head where they, there was an incident that happened that I don't know, even from my point of view, I'm like, I don't think it was that bad, but they asked us to actually not come back for at least six months. And then they could reevaluate, um, because they just felt like he was too unsafe to himself and other kids. And of course, safety is primary and very important at the same time. It was so it truly felt devastating to me to, after the huge road we had been down, 
to be asked not to come back for six months because of my child that I love and adore and that I am just longing to provide him with good opportunities like we were actually not allowed to come back and I I sobbed I sobbed and I because I just felt at the end of my rope I thought we had found the thing that was going to be a support for our family get a little break from homeschooling for us and then you know, for it just yet again to not turn out well, I just felt so isolated and just felt like they didn't understand. I felt like they were kind of willing to work with us, but not really like, because there's not this greater grid of understanding of how to work with kids and like their methods of, of discipline were just a little bit more on like the, I mean, they were okay. Like they were fine for a more neurotypical kid, but definitely not for a neurodivergent child. And I think that it's really disappointing and frustrating because I think if more people understood how to work with kids who have neurological differences, like we'd have a much more inclusive community. But because this kind of training is not available and required for businesses um, that work with kids, then it, it does make it a more exclusive experience for for families and for kids and um and so we have to you know just look for these alternatives and there's just not a lot out there and then so that was like a piece of like a a really big piece of the puzzle but simultaneously at the same time that all this was going on because this you know the this fizzling out at this um camp happened over the course of um probably about three weeks like he'd been going for a couple months and then it was about three weeks that it all kind of came to head and they asked us not to come back at the same time that this was going on and this to me is almost like I don't know probably makes me even more angry is we were attending a community group at our church that specifically was around uh, it's called like family teams and it's about like just learning how to be more of like a team as a family, but also how to be community for each other. And we had been going a couple weeks and, um, or maybe about a month at this point. And, and my son's behavior, like it was okay. I, on from my vantage point, he was doing great. But when you're not used to neurodivergent kids, like, you know, other parents perspectives were different and their they had like younger they had girls and they had younger kids like their girls were like three and under like most of it was like more babies than it was like kid kids you know because at the time my son was five and a half and you know neurodivergent so the behavior was just more than they expected and so we my husband and I received an email <laughs> that was like, you know, um, we have some concerns. Your son was rocking really hard in our chair and we, in our rocking chair and he threw something at the TV and it it was kind of like a soft thing. And I remember that and we worked with him on that. Um, obviously that's a bigger deal, but like the rocking chair thing, you know, we just can't afford to replace furniture right now and yada, yada, yada. And I just, it felt extremely nitpicky and it wasn't like this, Hey, can we understand what's going on? We're concerned. It was more like, these are the problems we have. 
with your child and attending. And so, of course, and literally this email came a few days after the conversation where we were not allowed to go back to this um, Ninja Warrior place. So I was livid. I was just like, I couldn't believe that I got an email like that. And perhaps I was like more mad than I would have been had it not come at that same week. But it also just really felt like this lack of understanding and like trying to get like understand. It's like we're in this community group that is made to talk about community and how to like be community. And yet I feel like we're getting isolated here. So we end up having a, a Zoom conversation with the leaders. And I mean, they were, I feel like they were very diplomatic and kind. And they're like, we kept saying like, we have compassion for your situation. We, you know, we have compassion for your situation, et cetera. It was kind of the, this, like, we, we're not in your shoes. We don't understand, but we have compassion. But it just felt like kind of the right thing to say. I think they were trying. Like, I really, I don't, I really don't think like their hearts were off I just think it truly is this lack of understanding and experience with kids like that and then also just you know their own kids are a lot younger so maybe they're not at that stage yet and they have daughters that were more chill I don't know but it really just felt like kind of this judgment of our parenting at the heart of it and then on top of that conversation where it's like I really didn't feel like we were it's like we were a little bit placated I don't know just said the right things but not really like actually that supportive it wasn't like oh hey we see you're drowning how can we help you how can we be practical hands and feet in your life it was like we have compassion I'm sorry that sounds really hard and then that's it and so then the next time we show up to the group you know I'm trying to find ways to keep my son more separated from the other kids so I ask hey can he play in this one particular room by himself and she's like, oh, no, 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 we're going to, we're not going to have this. We're going to block this room off. I only want the kids in this main area. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like the conversation we just had and you're not going to like give a little grace here and like allow my child, like you were concerned about the safety of the other kids and your furniture and all that. And you're not going to give him a space that is more calming for him. And yeah, so I was just like, so turned off from the group after that and really disheartened um and I think for those who do go to church it's like I feel so much isolation in our church environment and the lack of understanding around really I mean mental wellness psychology and and um and neurodivergent children and like the kids programs are not sensitive to those kinds of kids um and so anyway yeah that was just really a very crushing and isolating time last year um and at that point I just started hermiting and pulling inward I'm like you know what like I can't count on anyone I can't rely on like even my own church community like I I just have to pull inward and just try to do this ourselves and make the best of it um, as like, what can we do as just our family to survive this and to make this work? And, um, you know, thankfully I've been, I've done a ton of therapy and had already done a lot 
through that time so that was really supportive but again it's like the emotional support we are able to find but the practical support like what do you do when people just don't understand they don't know they don't know how to help they don't realize how much you're drowning um and yeah and like people just don't have a grid or grace for it so um we're at a much better place now it's been almost a year I mean we've turned some big corners now that he's six and a half versus five and a half um you know a lot of positive family dynamic changes so I'm thrilled about that like thrilled I feel like we can have some semblance of rhythm that feels good to all of us in some way um but there's there are still a lot of challenges and I've definitely learned how to um I guess screen people in my life better and um find the people that really will have some compassion like real compassion and hands-on compassion and not just verbal compassion so that's my story um hopefully some of it is relatable and helpful um in some way um I think I wish I had like some more advice at the moment um that was definitely just a painful experience and um yeah and I think too like it's hard like some I wish more people were sensitive to the suffering that other people are in even when everything looks okay on the outside and honestly I'm not the kind of person to like hide what what's going on with me like I will be honest but I think people can't handle the honesty so there's my honesty for you um be blessed and I will uh yeah look forward to hearing other people's stories Thanks for listening today. If you would like to talk with me personally, where we can chat and just get to know each other like old friends, I would love to do a discovery call with you. Go to my website, ontheharddays.com, and click on Schedule a Call. And if you're not already subscribed to this podcast, please do so so that you get the latest when they roll out. Not to mention, please leave a review if you feel like this episode spoke to you. That way, the podcast will be shown to more mothers. And finally, you can find me on Instagram at ontheharddays with dots in between each word or in my free Facebook community, On The Hard Days Podcast and Community. If you are feeling isolated in your parenting journey, I encourage you to reach out through any of these means so that I can connect you with your people and support you in whatever way you need.